It's a trap! Hello and welcome to episode number 197 of Radio TCX. Your weekly source for X-Wing news and strategy. I'm Tim Dugan and I'm joined as always by my two co-hosts, Carson Ray. Hello everybody. It's a great day to talk about X-Wing. And John McDermott. Hello everyone. Excited to be here. That sounded very, very friendly and courteous. Not hey at all. Man, like we've had a lot of internet issues. We're all still excited, but we just don't <laughs> feel it. It's been 45 minutes of tr- hoping my internet connection holds out here. So we'll see if John disconnects again in a couple seconds. But until then, we'll start uh, talking about some X Wing. And it's been a crazy week. Um, all kinds of news. It's been a lot of emotional lows and highs for me, I want to say, this, this whole week. Yeah, probably one of the busiest weeks as far as X Wing news um, just in X Wing history. You know, this one probably makes. Uh, makes the list yeah a lot's happened in the last five days yeah it's been nuts so yeah today we're going to look at some of the the news here and then we're going to do our first dive at talking about all the the points update that dropped very recently um today we're going to be focusing on the implications for extended so just kind of the overall points effects and then we'll uh, do a follow-up episode next time probably where we'll talk about the hyperspace stuff but just extended today and tons of news so uh let's not make our listeners wait any longer let's get to it all right so much to talk about you know we've been in a bit of a lull end of the 2019 season but you know starting this week we're back on the 2020 x-wing season of course we got points updates wave seven announcement um, perhaps some quick releases of wave six a lot to process so let's just start going through it yeah, so I think probably the biggest, most X-Wing directly relevant news was the announcement of Wave 7, uh, which I'm not 100% sure it was intended to be announced at this point, but either way, we know it's coming. Three new ships coming as part of Wave 7 for X-Wing. Uh, we have the LAAT gunship for the Republic, the Z-Class light shuttle expansion for the First Order, and the HMP droid gunship for the Separatists. Yeah, so this stuff looks pretty sweet. Um, we got the announcement article on Thursday, um, and I don't really think... Oh, shoot, was it Thursday or was it Wednesday? All right, don't bore them with the details. <laughs> the LAAT, or Republic Gunship, one of the coolest, uh, I think, spaceships in Star Wars, added to X-Wing. You know, when we heard about the Republic faction, I think, you know, oh, Jedi Starfighters were sweet, but I was like, okay, when are we getting this Republic Gunship? Finally, we got it. Uh, I'm pretty ex- excited to start playing with this thing. Yeah, so we have some details on that. We know it's a medium base. Got a pretty straightforward stat line, a uh, double mobile firing arc value of two, uh, an agility of one, eight hull, and two shields. But the thing I'm most excited for is it's coming with a lot of Force-sensitive crew options for the Republic. I mean, that's the Republic, right? Force and clones. And the Republic gunship is sort of the perfect mix of that. You know, It's a clone ship, but you get all those Jedi crew hanging out in the troop transport bay like we see in Attack of the Clones, you know, a great Star Wars film. Quality. I, I am really excited for this, though. We know we're getting an Ala Sakura uh, crew card. We're getting a Kit Fisto crew card, which is awesome. Ooh, my favorite Jedi. Kit Fisto, so cool. Well, my favorite Jedi has some of the best X-Wing art I've seen. The Plo Koon crew card just looks fantastic. 
nice piece of art based on the uh, classic Clone Wars episode where he's out uh, floating around in space without a helmet on. Really cool stuff. So I'm actually super excited, probably for this expansion, just in terms of lore and ship design. I always loved this ship design, so really excited to see that in action. Now, in terms of playability, though, I think I'm probably more excited for new First Order options here. And we've got the Z-Class light shuttle to finally give us another ship for that great, powerful faction. Yep, uh, everybody's a First Order player now and excited to get <laughs> you know more ships for this ever-growing faction. Hey, I was a true First Order player, man. Worlds, I was one of the actual First Order players. Made top eight out of nine. Felt pretty good. Okay, Tim. <laughs> top eight in faction, I mean. Not not in anything meaningful. Yeah, this FO shuttle looks pretty cool. Similar to a Reaper, maybe, but for First Order. And then the third ship that was announced in the new wave is the HMP droid gunship, which is a small base. Ugh, separatists. Separatist ship. more ships. <laughs> With a 180 arc. Yeah. All they need is one pilot, the Trade Federation drone, and I can't beat them. So <laughs> giving them anything else is just too much. Uh, well, this one's also coming with a new missile option. It looks pretty sweet, bullseye focus. So that's fair, right, Carson? Sure. You know, I do enjoy bullseye mechanics. And actually, the Separatists have a lot of pretty good bullseye mechanics already. Yep. So three new ships coming in Wave 7, which is pretty exciting. Uh, and, you know, talking about more uh, more recent waves, though, we've got kind of an early release of Wave 6 for certain stores in some parts of the country. <sighs> FFG, why do you keep doing this? Yeah, so we got news a little earlier this week that uh, some Barnes & Nobles had gotten a hold of some of the Wave 6 stuff. At this point, hard to tell if it's a bumble or not, but uh, <laughs> people are getting their hands on the new expansions and the card packs. I, I always assume it's a bumble, and I will say this, too. I'm not going to ever judge anybody for where they buy their X-Wing stuff. I would encourage people, if they have the means, it's always best to support your friendly local game store. So uh, I know I'm totally set on supporting local game stores here for these new expansions and if it's if you have the means for it you know i understand if you need the discounts to buy them that's totally cool uh, but if you have the means always i recommend trying to support those flgs's right i mean if you just play on kitchen table it doesn't really matter but if you're like us who and participate in organized play a lot uh that doesn't really happen if you don't have stores to support organized play so you know getting your x-wing where you play is i think pretty important yeah, but we got spoilers now for most of the pack releases there. Even the card, it looked like uh, the Never the Tell Me the Odds card pack was in, in at least one of those Barnes & Noble photos. So got spoilers out for those now. Hopefully we'll see those reach a wide distribution here pretty soon. I think they're mostly supposed to come out in January. Uh, at least Von Regs and Fireball and then a couple of those card packs, right? Right. I mean, it is pretty cool. With the points update uh, this past week, we did get you know the points for Wave 6 and both Von Reg's tie, the Fireball, uh, and the new pilots in the Hot Shots and Aces pack all looking pretty sweet. Yeah, I'm excited to see what these bring to the game. Yeah, some really cool stuff there. We also got an update via the X-Wing Discord, which has been a great avenue for some specific news. Evan Johnson from Fantasy Flight uh, gave some more details about the future waves of X-Wing, and it looks like we're going to be seeing more frequent waves with fewer ships, uh, which would fall in line with that Wave 7 announcement. So uh, FFG has said that they're going to be having waves come out every two to three months. They'll be smaller in size, and they'll be moving away from ship reprints. So mostly we'll be getting new content here, which is actually, I think, is pretty exciting. Now that we've gotten a lot of those core iconic ships re-released, 
I'd be happy to stop seeing just continual re-releases of pre-existing ships. Yeah, I'm okay with this. Yeah, except I still need to find some more resistance A-wings. For some reason, I don't quite have enough. Uh, sad news, though, to go along with that, uh, there was some news going around that's been confirmed. That it's pretty substantial layoffs at Fantasy Flight Games, uh, which is really hard to hear. We've met a lot of really creative and talented people at FFG over the past couple years going to events, and we've, we've always really loved this. Obviously, this game that FFG has put out, so it's really hard to hear that they had to... Uh, cut a lot of their staffing there so uh the whole podcast here we're wishing everyone who was affected by these layoffs uh the best of luck in you know spreading their creativity and talent to other companies now best of wishes to all those folks in some slightly more positive news we did get an article sort of today um spoiling the adepticon system open exclusive ship that will be at that tournament for people to purchase yep uh, best thing to distract me from bad news is something bright and shiny, and that is exactly <laughs> what this uh, Naboo N1 Starfighter is. Bright and shiny chrome paint job. Yeah, so this is going to be pretty cool. It's going to be a convention-exclusive pack that will be available. I believe they're reserving a copy for everyone who's registered for the system open at Adepticon in Schaumburg, Illinois. And they're also going to be having some limited online sales, too. So even if you're not able to go to Adepticon, there is actually going to be an opportunity for you to get one of these. Uh, uh, we're not sure on quantities right now, so you may have to get into some sort of online click-off there. Or if you're going to the event, you can come say hi to us, and we can all talk about how much we love our shiny chrome and one Starfighter. It is cool to see that they took some of that feedback, though, and are going to have a limited run on their web store. Yeah, I was a little bummed, too. When they, uh, uh, I love having the alternate uh, expansions available. When they, when they first announced it, I think the first one was for Adepticon, right, previously? Yeah, it was the Vulture. Yeah, I was already not able to go, and then I heard that, and I'm like, oh, man, maybe if I would have known, I could have, you know, made accommodations to get there. But I'm glad they're going to have at least some opportunity for people around the world to be able to get these, too. And in probably the most interesting piece of Star Wars news here, uh, John just got a sweet new Star Wars tattoo. I did. Carson, can you go ahead and describe us? You've seen a picture. Uh, Yeah, yeah, let me just pull up the picture real quick. Okay, so what we're looking at here... You know, circular sort of shape, um, kind of two split Star Wars images jammed together. One's like some wings and kind of a, you know, it looks like the little tip of an X-Wing cannon just cut off there. You got a little bit of that. And then we have a hard line to the other half of the symbol. Um, that's a circle and some triangles kind you're, of put together. You're doing great so far. Keep going. Yeah, so this looks really deep, John. Can you explain what this really means to you? Uh, sure. So first I'll tell everyone what it actually is. Um, so it, It's going it, to be on your skin for a long time. It is. Uh, it's permanent unless I pay to get it removed, which I won't. So, <laughs> um, it, is, <laughs> um, it is half of the Jedi logo, and the other half is the Sith logo from the new Rise of Skywalker movie. Is that because you're indecisive and can't decide uh, what side of the Force you're on? No. So I'll get into the little cheesy background here. Um, I always told myself that if I got a tattoo, it would have some sort of significant meaning to me. And aside from this being a Star Wars tattoo, um, fun fact, it's also my second tattoo. Um, It's always been important to me in life to find balance between what I do. So whether that's work in my home life or when I was a student, school and home life, um, that's important to me. So I thought half Jedi, half Sith felt good. All right, this is getting too deep. You asked. So 
So I think the biggest news here for this week was, of course, the 2020 January points update, really what kicks off the uh, season You know, for the first half of the year. We'll have another update uh, sometime halfway through the year. So we have our first season for 2020, and we get to see what um, is really shaping up you know, with these points. And I think, honestly, this was probably the most anticipated points update we've had yet. Um, we know there's going to be a big division now. Uh, substantial changes came to hyperspace. We know it's going to be a much more limited faction in the future. And we'll be talking about the full implications of the hyperspace changes probably in next week's episode. This week, we're going to look at the big picture here. Yeah, it's a big Thanos snap for sure when we're talking about <laughs> hyperspace. Half of everything gone. Um, we're this week we're going to be focusing on the uh, kind of overarching point reductions that will apply to extended, which I guess is a little bit more relevant to most of us here because we've got the Las Vegas Open, the Fly Better Open coming up here in just a few weeks. Hype! It's gonna be a good time. Yeah, just rub it in. <laughs> Sorry, Carson, you'll be at Adepticon. That's your next big event, yeah. which is going to be hyperspace. So we'll have a big hyperspace focus, I'm sure, uh, for the next couple months. Uh, we're going to look, though, today, let's look at uh, the different factions, kind of catch those catch-all changes, and I think what they mean for faction identity, that's going to be a big takeaway here, is how is this going to shift the way the factions are played. Huge shout-out to Paul Fuller from the Denver x scene for putting together his Google Doc, which has all the points, update information, aggregated in one place so we can quickly see these changes. Uh, that would have been a lot of work for us to do, so a huge thank you to you, Paul. Yeah, so let's start with the best faction, the Empire. <laughs> well they certainly were the best faction i think that seemed to always be the general consensus we've had for a little while here um we saw some a uh, couple point hikes uh the biggest one is going to be an increase to hal runner going up six points now at 46 here which is a pretty expensive tie fighter um but i i guess it'd say it's pretty appropriate given how powerful hal runner is i mean if we look at the whole course of 2019 that tie swarm did a lot of work you had Hal Runner plus a bunch of the other great named ones, usually all those Inferno Squadron pilots. Um, you could even fit a few other upgrades, some good talents in there. That TIE Swarm just had like an embarrassment of riches. They could really do everything. Obviously, Hal Runner, you know, the best TIE Fighter, really makes all of your other TIE Fighters substantially better. Uh, and so now you have to pay a bit more of a tax and have to. You know, you could still run five other decent TIE Fighters with HAL Run, have an effective swarm. Um, but, you know, you have to make some choices in the rest of your list. And I think that's pretty fine. Yeah, this seems like a good value. Yeah, I, th I think it's still a pretty fair pricing. Uh, we also saw a two-point increase to Colonel Jendon in the Lambda-class shuttle, uh, which has kind of risen to prominence again when we saw um, just kind of, I wouldn't say a resurgence, but... Uh, seeing the value we get out of Generic Inquisitors or the Grand Inquisitor. Those were very relevant forces at the last World Championships here, and having that support shuttle did play a pretty big role. So now you're basically paying a point to use his ability each time, which I think is appropriate. Yeah, it's fine. Still a pretty good option for the Empire. One of the more interesting changes I think we saw was a reduction in points to non-Sunterfell interceptors, which my big big question I'd post to you guys is, does this make you more inclined to run a non-Sunter interceptor? Maybe an epic? <laughs> um, you know, I think we see a trend here, not just with the interceptor, but with the strikers, the bombers. You know, a lot of the generics that just didn't see much play in the Empire, they all go down a bit. 
Um, I think that's pretty good. I'm a little skeptical on the bombers, whether or not that's going to be great or too great. Um, but, you know, the Empire generally plays a lot of AC stuff. And so I think incentivizing other ways to play is generally pretty good. But, John, you play a lot of Imperialists. Do you see yourself using, like, Turfenner in the near future? Uh, prob- Probably not, if I'm being honest. Um, I typically just don't fly a lot of generics or lower initiative named pilots anyway. So I don't know. Take that for what it's worth. Right. So I think that makes this fine, right? Like nobody's like doing a hard turn and be like, okay, now I have to completely change my list and just start including all these generics. Um, But, you know, it does make them more of a question. You know, you do hit a point where suddenly, you know, you can start hitting multiple of these ships um, instead of one name chip, and that becomes pretty interesting. I'm more interested in the generic strikers going down quite a bit. So the low initiative ones went down, I think, four and three points each, um, which I think is going to make them a lot more playable. Yeah, I mean, we've seen some uh, like high-end play. Like Duchess has been pretty good consistently, but that's mostly by virtue of the extra reposition combined with uh, initiative five seeing those generics go down there it is an interesting platform so it's a different way to run a tie fighter higher built-in offense but you know slightly better hole for a fairly worse defense on agility um i'm i'm wondering if we're actually going to see people play these generics more with a slightly lower cost i don't know if it's enough to get them out into the field because they can just melt at this price point they compare pretty well to you know generic resistance or rebel a-wings which have seen some play you know at the low initiative where you get a nice blocker that can be really mobile come in uh, break up your opponent's formation you know deny a bunch of actions and so i think you know having those strikers now be much more affordable you're more likely to go for those style plays because obviously that's pretty costly just running your ship uh, into your opponent but when they don't cost much uh, even if you trade them, usually that advantage they can generate is worth a lot more than their points. Um, and so I do like this playstyle being opened up because uh, you definitely don't want to do it with your more expensive ships. And so having these, you know, low initiative, uh, still very mobile strikers uh, go down quite a bit, I think is pretty awesome. So it just seems like a faction that already had a lot of options just has even more options now. Right. And, you know, their aces, which were doing pretty well, relatively pretty untouched. Over on the Rebels side, though, because we have to have a balance here between the Empire, we got to talk about the Rebels. Uh, Carson, how are you feeling about seeing all those named Hawk pilots go down? Oh, it's frustrating because I was like, oh, I'm sure all the cool scum Hawks will go down, too. But no, nah, nope. not really. <laughs> Same. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, if you like Hawks, uh, Rebels is probably the faction for that right now. Um, yeah, so we got some named Hawk pilots going down. Uh, we also see the same trend of, you know, generic or just low initiative pilots going down um, with the X-Wings. I think that's one of the things that people are most excited about with uh, this points update. Now you can fit five X-Wings in a list, either the initiative one uh, Sagarera X-Wings or your just generic initiative two X-Wings. You can fit five of those in a list. Uh, which is, you know, that's an intimidating list to face against just by virtue of that's a lot of hit points, six hit points each, a lot of attack dice, 15 uh, in a potential volley, still a very low initiative thing. I'm not necessarily thinking we're going to see this be winning a lot of events here, but I think this type of list can just do very well in Swiss uh, just by its consistency, right? 
Like it's a it's pretty hard to get a six hit point ship with two agility to die quickly because even if they skew a little bit well on the variants, they'll just take so many shots and not take very much damage. We also saw all of the pilots for the modified YT-1300 uh, go down a couple points, including the Falcon title. Yeah, actually, I think across the board, Falcons went down. Yeah, aside from Leia, which is a new one. I think for the Rebels, this is actually a pretty substantial change, because um, a lot of those Falcon pilots are pretty good. Han Solo's a pretty good force, getting some free rerolls. Weirdly, I feel like Han's not great with the Falcon title anyway, just because he's already generating rerolls. So having the evade and getting extra defensive rerolls doesn't really help him. But Lando's ability, which is basically a wide range coordinate, is pretty potent. Yeah, a coordinate that he can also put on himself. Uh, still a big fan of Lando. I think he's he's my favorite of the Falcon pilots. I think across all the factions. And man, just passing out those actions, I was playing against uh, Sarah Tessim the other day, and she was just flying that Lando, passing actions to Luke, getting preemptive barrel rolls or boosts, and that stuff can be pretty annoying. Yeah, for sure. We also saw a huge drop in points for all three YT-24 pilots, including Dash Rendar going down to 91 points, I believe. Um, we haven't seen much of Dash since the uh, errata or timing change for Han Solo, Gunner, getting that extra double tap shot at high initiative. Um, do you guys feel like this is going to put the YT-2400 into the mainstream metagame? Man, I no. sure hope not. You know, this is like my least favorite ship in all of X-Wing ever. Uh, mechanically, I think it looks pretty cool, but I it just annoys yeah. me. Um, but yeah, I mean, these are huge drops uh, for all your Outrider pilots. So I don't see how this wouldn't make it C-play which I'm sad about. All right, so moving on to our next faction here, we have Scum and Villainy. You know, I think there's actually a lot to like for Scum in these points changes. Generally, the focus is on large base ships over um, their small bases, but um, it's still fine. Once again, we see our points trend where aggressors just go down one point. <laughs> Maybe they'll be good. This point's update. Who knows? Yeah, uh, it was kind of funny watching the live stream where they talked about the aggressors, um, and they were like, oh, you might start to see uh, three aggressors be a real deal. Well, one point down on each ship, I don't think necessarily makes those three aggressor lists viable even still. Um, but I wonder if we'll get to that point. Yeah, I still haven't quite um, totally looked into this one. Last points update i felt like i was just a few points off of kind of where i wanted to be um, and so maybe this does it i'm not quite sure i think more interesting than the aggressors going down is the low initiative generic fang fighters went down uh, quite a bit actually oh for sure this is exciting yeah i think they each went down three points so the initiative one zealous recruit is now 41 um, so a couple of those of fearless in hyperspace might uh, be pretty good yeah, absolutely. Um, I've seen, you know, the Initiative 1 Fangs be pretty good. I like the Initiative 4 ones a lot, too. Fangs are kind of in this weird point where, you know, sometimes they die super easily, and sometimes they just live forever with those free of aids. Um, and so little changes in the points, um, I think, means a lot. Um, and these are actually pretty big changes in the points for both of the Initiative 1 and Initiative 4 Fang pilots. Uh, so that's pretty great. 
Um, we also saw the both the Jumpmaster and Lancer Pursuit craft go down and their titles go down quite a bit. Uh, and so both of these ships, I think, are definitely worth looking at. You know, the Jumpmasters we haven't seen too much of um, in play, but we have seen some of the Shadowcasters um, be used uh, pretty successfully. Uh, and so I definitely think we'll see a lot of scum builds focusing on either uh, the jump masters or the shadow casters, or maybe a bit of both. For sure. Yeah, that shadow caster title going down five points I think is huge. So I think you'll see a lot more of those. Yeah, that's really exciting. So not a, not a lot of gigantic changes over on the resistance side. We do see their big base ship, the uh, MG100 Star Fortress, go down pretty substantially. Um, but, I mean, substantially in this point's update is, like, what, three or four? Right. I mean, we also see the uh, Resistance Falcon do the same sort of trend. Um, so the large bases go down, which is fine because, you know, with the Resistance, you weren't really seeing too much of the large bases, particularly the Star Fortress. Um, but still, even then, the Falcon wasn't seeing too much play either. Uh, the interesting point is that the low initiative... Uh, T-70s went down, which were, I think, the strong point of the resistance already. Right, like four T-70s had a really good showing, um, you know, kind of for a couple months there, and even still in recent games that I've played um, against it. So I don't know what uh, drove this decision, but, uh, I mean, it's following the trend of the low-end generics going down across factions. Yeah, it's just going to be interesting not seeing an increase to just Pava and then seeing like the Red Squadron Expert go down or even just the Blue Squadron Rookie go down um, means that she's still going to be a pretty viable choice there and now even has some room to, you know, tech those ships out a little bit more. Right. Now that your 4T70 list can fit upgrades, uh, that's pretty scary. Um, all right. So moving on to the first order, not too many points changes here, um, but I still think it's pretty exciting. I think most of the excitement for First Order is probably around hyperspace. Uh, and, of course, their new ship, the TIE Baron. Is that right? The TIE Von Reg. Is that not what the ship's called? Yeah. Uh, Von Reg's TIE. The TIE BA Interceptor. Okay. Von Reg's TIE, right? Von Reg's TIE coming into play. That's going to be huge, and we already got the points values for that now with this points update. So we know that Von Reg's TIE, which is a solid interceptor, two hull, two shield, three attack, three agility, and a new ship ability that's kind of a play on auto thrusters. Fine-tuned thrusters is a little bit different. After you fully execute a maneuver, if you are not depleted or strained, you may gain one deplete or strain token to perform a target lock or barrel roll action. And Von Reg's tie, which is Initiative 6, is coming in at just 57 points, so only four points higher than the Ace of Legend, Sunter Fell, over on the Empire side. I guess as we're talking about the tie BA, it's also worth mentioning, we skipped over this, the Resistance uh, did get the Fireball, and the points for that are also pretty exciting. The two name pilots are a bit more expensive, but the generics for the Fireball are super cheap, just slightly more than... Um, your lowest pilot options in a lot of factions uh, and this ship can sure do a lot more you know it might take some damage in the process but having slam on your you know like z95 i think is definitely worth a point or two so definitely a cool option for the resistance i'm interested to see what kind of builds people come up with for this ship um i wasn't sure what kind of role it was going to fill in the faction 
So I guess we'll find out. Yeah, for sure. Still a huge mystery there. Uh, but yeah, so back to the first order. You know, we have the tie BA, but then also with points adjustments, the tie FO, you know, all of the pilots uh, basically across the board just going down a little bit. Um, and I think this is a big deal. You know, we are already seeing a, you know, a few of the generics, Scorch, Midnight, seeing a decent amount of play. Um, and I think when you're looking at the low end, you know, these little changes, I think, do mean quite a bit. Yeah, and I feel like FO was a faction that was kind of historically struggling um, due to a lack of diverse options. So having a couple more points reductions, I think, um, and with the inclusion of a new ship will help them rise to the competitive level. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the other big change for First Order is that the Upsilon pilots, you know, the big Upsilon shuttle, uh, the pilots that weren't seeing really any play at all, you know, not the generic, not Tavison, um, those all went down a decent bit. Except, of course, Dormitz, who has to still pay for the sins of Triple Upsilon. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, just seeing more diversity within the Upsilons, I think that'll be pretty good. And then we get down to our two newest factions here. On the Republic side, uh, we see some changes, mostly on the hyperspace side. A lot of little changes. Yeah, just a point here or a point there. Like Obi-Wan went up a point. Um, in the low initiative, Jedi pilots and the Aether Sprite and some of the Y-Wing pilots went down a couple points as well. Of course, oddball across the board, down one point. <laughs> Huge news. Suddenly, still bad. super playable. Uh, they changed the rules. You can fly all three oddballs in one list, I'm pretty sure, right? <laughs> Jeez. Don't do still it. wouldn't be Don't good. Don't even no. take one. All right, that's not true. Sorry. Um, I think actually Fake the biggest news. change for Republic was that the R2 astromech, you know, your favorite Jedi regen droid, did go up a considerable bit. Which was warranted. Absolutely. Regen on all those Force users was pretty dumb. So I think uh, last and certainly not least, the Separatist faction, um, in my opinion, actually saw some of the most influential changes in this points update, I think. Yeah, I mean, they definitely saw the biggest changes. You know, Captain Seer going up uh, quite a bit, six points. And then the you know, most popular tactical relay TA-175 uh, also went up to nine points now. Um, and those two, you know, best buds of this last season, Captain Seer and TA-175, leading the Vulture Swarms, you know, going up a combined 15 points. That's quite a bit. Yeah, and the timing window for the TA-175 ability changed a little bit too, so... In my opinion, it's still a little too cheap, but I uh, guess we'll have to see how it shakes out in the next couple months. Yeah, I was really surprised that the changes here, we didn't see any changes to the vultures, which I thought was weird because I feel like at the core, um, the reason that you know faction is problematic is because they are just a little too cheap. Um, so yeah, I think seeing the increases to T-175 and Captain Seer were good, but I would have liked to see either grappling struts go up a point, maybe two, or at least the Trade Federation drones go up to 20. Right. I think Captain Seer, definitely good. TA-175, definitely too good um, at their old points values. 
But you look at that, that wasn't what most of the list was. The lists were always a bunch of vultures that were just overwhelmingly powerful, you know, with that network calculation. And you could still just take them uh, in volume. You know, really even just one point up, I think, would have made a considerable difference. Because uh, alone, you know, they're not worth much. But when you take um, them in mass, you know, they really compound their value. And I think that's still going to persist for this season. Got to be ready for those vultures. Luckily, yeah. Trajectory Simulator went down, so we can launch bombs at them, maybe. <laughs> That might be our only option. Even with those other two things going up, um, we did see some of the hyena bomber pilots come down. Um, so maybe we'll see more inclusion of those in the droid list as a filler instead. Um, but we did those see the me too. yeah, we did see the pilot talent and snare go up across all initiative levels. Yay! Uh, we also saw the tractor mechanic get addressed in the rules update. Um, and so now it's a little harder for your opponent to tractor you completely out of a sh shot. Uh, you can take a stress and rotate your ship 90 degrees uh, if your opponent moves your ship with a tractor token. Um, and so that definitely gives you a bit more play against the Nantex and other tractor mechanics. Which uh, creates an interesting uh, gameplay point, too, for people who are applying the tractor effects to their opponent's ships. Um, they can still choose to not move their opponent's ships when they apply the tractor, which would mean they just get the reduced agility. So you're not going to be needlessly uh, barrel rolling because that could give your opponent the opportunity to get that rotate, uh, which might give them shots they otherwise wouldn't have. And I think while we're on the uh, topic of rules changes, we also saw a change to the way gas clouds work. So now, um, <laughs> yeah, this was a much needed change. And it, this one makes a lot of sense, too. I think this is kind of what this is what I Obstacles expected them, matter. right? I expected them to do this in the original version. Um, but now when you overlap a gas cloud, not only do you skip your perform action step, you also have to roll an attack die on a hit result or a focus result. So five sides out of the eight, uh, you will receive one strain token, reducing your agility. Awesome. S still the least punishing obstacle they're still cheap <laughs> for sure but they do something now yeah but i mean i think reducing your agility you know could be potentially the most costing um if done at the wrong time i, I guess suppose. it's only for one attack never it's mind <laughs> yeah <laughs> still doesn't should matter. be an ion too all right so there's uh there's our look at the points update overall mostly for extended next time we get together to talk about points we will look at the implications for hyperspace which are a lot more dramatic yeah hyperspace finally feels like its own distinct format uh, pretty exciting we'll dive into that next week thank you folks so much for listening to this episode of radio tcx if you like the show please go on to facebook.com and like our page uh, we're trying to get up to a thousand likes here so any like that increases that amount we really appreciate if you enjoy listening to the show, consider going on iTunes and leaving us a five-star review saying what specifically about it you liked and why you think other people should give it a listen. And if you want to support the show directly, please consider going on to patreon.com slash radiotcx and becoming a supporter of the show today. It really means so much to us. Again, folks, thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next week.
All right, listeners, would you rather know what John's first tattoo is or where it is? <laughs> um, I, I think this tattoo is really cool. I would just question your choice to put it on your lower back. It's not on my lower back, everyone. It's on my ankle. <laughs> <laughs> I have some class. Thank you. I'm totally going to cut that right before. <laughs> All right. Wow. Kim, use your powers of editing for good. <laughs> this is content. Stay. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to the point. Stay tuned update. for Carson's new <laughs> Carson's new Twitter bit. Uh, every week he will be describing a Star Wars <laughs> tattoo to you. <laughs> you can follow that on RadioTCXTwitter.net. Dot <laughs> <laughs> All right. Jeez. All right. 